This is the Broken Education Podcast, brought to you by the Vigo Podcast Network. In this series, we shine a spotlight on prominent figures in education, government, tech, and investment who are passionate about bridging gaps in education. Join us as we dive deep into key challenges in education and explore innovative solutions and groundbreaking ideas that could revolutionize the future of learning. Welcome back to the Broken Education Podcast, where every week we shine a light on the challenges we are facing in the education world. We have the hard conversations with founders, educators, investors, and everything between to really understand where we need to come together to push education forward. I'm your host, Joel Trapani, and I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Vigo. Vigo is a support ecosystem platform that helps educators connect their students to their support ecosystem, be that the mentors, tutors, advisors, counselors, or anyone that that student needs. And we're doing this podcast in that, I guess, idea and, and, and passion for connection, because we want to connect with the leaders and change makers to have those real conversations about where education is at today. And today, we're joined by one of those leaders. We're joined by Katie Kapler. Katie Kapler, in my American accent, who is the <laughs> co-founder and CEO of Inscribe, uh, which is a virtual engagement platform that leverages the power of community and artificial intelligence to connect learners to the answers, resources, and the individuals they need to succeed in school and beyond. And they're currently working with colleges all through the US. This is a platform and a premise that I'm just personally really passionate about, so I'm super excited to have Katie here today. Katie has 20 years of experience in the education world. And with a lot of that time, she actually spent that building products for students. So she really understands what education could be, you know, if we got it right. So welcome, Katie. How are you going today? I'm doing great. It's really nice to be here, Joel. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. Look, before we get into, into the hard-hitting questions, could you tell us a little bit more about Inscribe? What is it? You know, I've done my intro, but I'd love to hear it from, from someone who has the unlimited passion. Well, you did a great job introducing it, and I love the connections between our work and the work that you're doing as well. So um, as Joel said, I'm Katie Kapler. I'm actually one of the co-founders and CEO at Inscribe. Um, we call ourselves a virtual community platform, and really our mission is to help higher ed institutions create spaces that allow their students to connect so they can ask questions, get advice, um, find solutions, and just build relationships that we know help them succeed across their learning journey. Um, one sort of nuance is that we do tend to focus primarily on the non-traditional student population. So if, you know, what we would define that as are students who are working or parenting while they're learning, they're learning online um, or in some way at a distance, maybe commuting to school. Um, and in many cases, they're also first in their family to attend college. So um it's a bit of a misnomer, right? This non-traditional student bucket, because they're actually, depending on how you define it, upwards of 70 to 75% of the students in the post-secondary world. But um, so it's a pretty diverse set of learners, but they share some commonalities in the sense that they are very constrained in, in their time and location. They are juggling a ton of other responsibilities generally while they're also going to school. And they sometimes don't have as much experience navigating what we all know is a very complicated higher, higher ed system. So we created Inscribe specifically to help this population of students have a digital space where they could always get support anytime, anywhere, really connect and build relationships with peers, but also with faculty and staff at their institution, and ultimately set them up a little bit better for success. I, I love that. And, and I also love that statistic, whereas 
you know, like 70, 75% of students, it, it really begs the question is that what is a traditional student these days? Because, you know, that, that whole idea of that cookie cutter straight out of school student is, is just so far gone. And a lot of colleges have like almost none, none of that kind of student. So it's nice to know that like your focus is building around real people, you know, with real yeah. world experiences and, and that come with, with complex backgrounds and complex situations and, and complex commitments that they have to juggle through their learning journey. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, ironically, I think if you ask the average person, what, you know, what is a college student, their mind is still going to go to 18 to 22 on campus for your degree. And of course that is a big population, but to your point, not the majority. And so I do think that mindset is shifting a little bit and I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I think that's just because, you know, all of the the movies about uh, fraternities and sororities still just have the same students. That's right. We need Um, more movies that show the working parent holding a baby, like learning online, (laughs) typing their emails for work at the same time. Yeah, you know, less of a comedy, more more moving to that drama category. (laughs) I guess I, I love this space. And it's going to be a struggle for me not to just want to answer these questions myself, but obviously connection is key, key to your platform. You know, you you talked about it a lot. It's all over your website. Like you, you are a, you're a connection tool. You're connecting people with with what they need. How do you see connection actually impacting the world of education? What difference does that make? Well, so one of the things that we talk about, um, like the importance of connection and why it matters also comes down to another concept, which is sense of belonging. I think sense of belonging is something that has been um, for a long time, maybe sort of, if not ignored, maybe misunderstood. Um, So just to define it here, um, a common definition of sense of belonging is having a sense of value, um, feeling supported, feeling like you are part of and included by a group of individuals. And when you talk about it, I think everybody can resonate with like what that really is. We've all felt that before when you're in a group of people and you share the same values and you feel like, oh, that person's got my back. We're in this together. It's very powerful. And we've, I think many of us also been on the other side of that where you feel isolated and alone. You don't feel like you're part of the crowd. And so if you can think back to like how those made you feel, how it either motivated or demotivated you, it's very clear how important that is in the academic and learning context. So creating a strong sense of belonging for students has a direct impact on their confidence in their learning, their ability to succeed in school, and whether they actually attain their degree. So when we think about connection, you know, there's all the practical things around, well, I want to make sure if a student has a question, they can get an answer. And I want to make sure that people, you know, who are up studying late at night and need help can find somebody else who's studying late at night and need help. But really what it comes down to is we are focused on helping these students find that connection so they feel like they belong in their institution and they're empowered over the long term to, to succeed. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And, and I think sense of belonging is so important in in every aspect of your life but it can be so powerful in that learning journey because you know when, when these students are coming into higher education they're going there to transform their lives to, to transform in, into who they're meant to be and and when they feel like they belong there when they find that person they connect with that person that can that lighting that fire that that's what the experience is about it, they can help find that passion and and their life might be like 
never the same again for so many better reasons. But if they never find that, you know, so many of those students that never find it just drop out. Yeah. And if you, if we kind of tie it back to the, the conversation around non-traditional and traditional learners, like you can imagine if you're a student on campus for four years, you know, you're, you know, full time, you are surrounded all the time by your peers. You're running into them at the library, you're having study groups, you're chatting after class. So the ability to, to foster that sense of connection is kind of natural, right? It's much easier to come by that even if the institution is not being intentional about it. But for non-traditional students who are online or commuting, studying late at night and on the weekends, it's very isolating. And so if their institution is not doing something purposeful to create opportunities where they can connect um, and come together, it's very difficult for them to generate that on their own. So it's like a real responsibility I feel like we have in this industry to not just recognize the importance of it, but to actually take steps to make sure that it happens. I actually once heard a salesperson that, that was selling a, a kind of connection-ish tool into university say, I'm not a salesperson. I just have a responsibility to help these students. So I'm just going out there and making universities understand how they're letting people down. And I, really, I, I kind of love that, that idea that you know, we do have a responsibility. This isn't just about building tools. This is about impacting student lives. 100%. I, I love that kind of I, idea, you know, that different students need connection in different ways and, and, and traditional on-campus students, it, it is different. And, and I do think, you know, that is becoming more challenging, but it is, you know, still significantly easier. And I think for a long time, that was a college's, uh, a college's you know, plan was put everyone in one space and kind of shake them all up and then sense of belonging just falls out of that. <laughs> Um, but that is becoming more and more challenging as the, the student population is becoming more and more diverse and, and, uh, and less and less on campus. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think for a long time, there was a bit of a misconception that non-traditional students didn't need, didn't want, didn't benefit from these types of, of connections with their peers because they were super busy. And so there was just this idea, like, they want to get in, they want to get out, they want the degree, they're not interested in anything else. And that could not be farther from the truth. If you actually ask these students, which we've done and our partners have done in many cases, and um, survey them about their experience overall as an online student, when you ask them what they wish could be improved, sometimes they will talk about the curriculum and the courses, but not often. Actually, the vast majority of the time, what they talk about is, I wish there was more opportunity to collaborate with peers. I wish I had chances to do that outside of the classroom. So I think we're seeing this really interesting intersection, finally, of institutions starting to recognize the importance and students actually speaking up to say, I need this, I want this, this is a missing element. And that's really exciting because I think that's where you can really affect change when everybody is pushing in the same direction. I guess up top, I mentioned that you've been in this space for a long time. It's, uh, <laughs> and, and before the call, I was joking about it that you, know, you, you took a, a quick jaunt out of this space but you quickly came back to education You're like no this is for me and I, I just have to understand like what why why is education your path why is that your career why is that your life like what experiences happened in your life and in, in your learning journey that have that have put you so clearly on one on this one singular mission yeah I mean I I have to be honest that I think the initial foray was somewhat accidental when I came out of college I um, 
had a friend that was working at this really interesting startup here in Denver called eCollege. She said, you should come. It's a really interesting place to be. So I joined that organization. And if you're not familiar, eCollege was one of the early learning management platforms in the market. Um, but what was unique about it is it was the first LMS to really focus on the fully online space. So if you were an institution running fully online programs at the time, it was most likely eCollege was the thing powering it. But what that meant was I got to be um, exposed to this whole generation or this whole population of learners who, if not for this technology, if not for the rise of online learning, would never have had the opportunity to go and get a degree. And it really fundamentally struck me that technology has the power to really transform people's lives, as you say, and to reach a population of individuals who had been left out for a long period of time. I know how important education has been in my own life. And so the idea that we would not offer that opportunity to somebody because their circumstances mean they can't go, you know, they can't relocate or they can't be available full time all day. Like, I just don't accept that. So I want to be part of the movement that is empowering learning and making it accessible and equitable across our entire, you know, country. It's so inspiring to hear the way you talk about that. It, it just, you know, everything is so singular, which I love. It's like your first experiences, it was about like these marginalized students that didn't have the same support. And then, then you helped build early one of the very first kind of like ways to engage them. And, and then like your whole career has been dedicated to that mission. And I just love that you found that passion so early and have been able to make so much change in that space over time. Yeah. And it's, and in some, I think anybody who works in education sometimes feels like that the pace of change is slow and hard, um, but it is gratifying to see it happening. And I always say, you know, people ask me like, what keeps you going at your company? What keeps you going? Um, and ultimately when you can look into some of the communities that we're running, talk to students and see the conversations that students are having, it, you can see how they transform their lives. There's, we have this great example from one of our partners is Fort Hayes State University in Kansas. And they created a community for their students called Tiger to Tiger. And somebody went into this space and posted, um, the title of the post was, Am I Too Old? And then this individual went on to say, you know, I'm returning to school after many years. I'm super busy. I have these kids at home. The semester is really hard. I'm exhausted. I think I might've made the wrong decision and I really am not cut out to do this. And to say that to a counselor, you know, an advisor, I'm sure they would give a great answer, but to say that to a peer community it, within five minutes, there were like 10 responses to this. Wow. Person. Everything from I'm feeling the same way to you can do it to, Hey, do you want to start a support group and we could all get together? So just seeing the power of that connection that changed that person's day and possibly changed that person's life. Just having the opportunity to hear that and gain that support from people. So that's the kind of stuff that keeps us going, I think, <laughs> day to day. That's just such a, a beautiful story of, of the power of peers and, and something that, that I think is becoming more commonplace, but definitely not ubiquitous. Like I still don't think peer support is done well, but you know, how can it not be done well when that's the outcome? Right. Well, I think st still today people like confuse, I think there's a place for peer engagement and peer support that is prescribed. So whether you're doing a group project or you're participating in a graded discussion, there are value in those activities. 
But those are very different than having a space where the peer communication is voluntary, authentic, low stakes. You know, it's like the difference between the the conversation I'm going to have in the classroom with my instructor and what I'm going to talk about while I'm walking down the hall afterward, right? So you have to be able to balance both of those things. And I think institutions are finally recognizing that this non-academic, non-prescribed piece is really critical and is, again, something that it's their responsibility to really embrace and bring forward. I We've been circling like such amazing content and, and I want to just go deep down this. Uh, maybe I'll get you on for another show though, just to specifically talk about this space because, you know, I... I I love it. And I think there's so much power in here. But I do want to talk, you know, at a larger scale here for a minute. So I want to understand, like, you have seen education in a lot of different phases. Um, you, you've seen it grow over time and you've seen some big adoptions in technology. And you've seen some of the slowness as well. I'd love to understand from everything you've seen, where do you think education is most broken today? <laughs> um. Well, so certainly I think that area around belonging and understanding is a big problem. You know, we've already talked about that, but I think really sort of waking up institutions to their responsibility there is really important. Um, I also, you know, to the point earlier, think there's still, when we talk about how do we serve as students, a bit of a mindset around the traditional learner versus the non-traditional I, am, I will say, you know, so this idea that in order to be a successful college student, you get a four-year degree, um, and that is the one and only path. I am excited about some of the work that I see coming out around more focus on things like credentials and stackable degrees and certifications and the power that those can also have to transform lives, especially when we think about education as this lifelong journey. So maybe you got your bachelor's early on and you're working, but you need to be retrained or you need to be upskilled. You know, you're not going to go back and get another four-year degree. So really meeting the needs of those learners, as well as perhaps some learners who are emerging from, from high school, just entering post-secondary, where the shorter path is not only more appropriate, it's um, more likely to be successful because they can take it out in a bite-sized chunk. It will result in measurable skills that they can then apply immediately. So I'm excited about that, but I think there's a lot of work to be done to really balance that out and have our current institutions really embrace that as an adjacent model of education that they can also provide to students. I, I couldn't agree more. I think those are both such massive opportunities as well. Yeah. Um, I, I guess... I'm just going to narrow in on one. We're going to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to say, let's let's chat more about the sense of belonging because I feel like sense of belonging will also be a challenge in this more alternative, you know, micro-credentially world as well. Like, I think that's going to be the consistent between both worlds, both streams of education. I, I guess, what do you think is at stake for, for students and, and for the world at large if we don't fix this sense of belonging space? I'm... It's funny because when I think about it, it's the opportunity is enormous. And in some ways, the solution is very simple. And so to me, it just feels like a no brainer that we would all go down this path. So again, like we talked about how big the population of non-traditional students are. What, what we didn't talk about is that they are one third to a half, depending on where you are, more likely to drop out before they complete their degree. 
And so that's not just a population of learners who now don't have that degree, which might open opportunities for better careers and um, additional careers. In many cases, it also means a student who took out some kind of loan or financial assistance to start that degree process, but didn't complete. So now they owe money, but they don't have the degree they need to get the career that would allow them to pay it back. I mean, you actually have people who are worse off than they would have been if they had never started the degree at all. So if we really understand, and there's many, many studies now that have demonstrated that a strong sense of belonging is directly tied to a student's ability to persist, um, to complete their degree. And in fact, many studies that show that the, the confidence and the power that a student gains extends even beyond their education. So they carry that with them into their career and beyond. So if we understand that and we, and we believe these studies, which I think we all should, if you can turn the dial just a little bit on improving that sense of empowerment, improving that sense of connection for these learners, you will dramatically influence the number of them who can successfully complete their degree. You will dramatically improve the number of graduates that we have available entering the workforce and the quality and confidence of those individuals who are now moving into their careers. So again, like the opportunity is huge and the the solutions can be quite simple. It just takes some, you know, intentional design and, and considered effort about, you know, where we should be spending our, our time and energy. Absolutely. And I think sometimes schools, because I understand they are constrained financially about how they can solve some of these problems. You can't hire a, you know, individual life coach for every student at your institution. Um, but these community spaces that we work on, you know, they're, they, they're not very expensive. They don't actually require a tremendous amount of like oversight and administration from the, from the college or university. It's really about empowering the students to take over the space and to kind of own it. And so you can, for not very much money, for not a tremendous amount of effort, have a tremendous impact on your learners. The only thing that scales with students is students. Yes, so, I agree. <laughs> like in just any way, help your students connect with one another. Yes. Like, just Don't have a spreadsheet if you have to. Do anything. Right. I I think that is very well said. And don't underestimate the power of this population that you have available to you. Yeah. They are tremendously good at helping each other, at understanding each other, at supporting each other. So you just have to give them the opportunity to do it and they and they will. I love it. All right. Now this is uh these last two questions. I always make sure I ask these because they're my two favorite questions. Okay. Um first one is there are some problems, there's a lot of problems in the education space, and some, some, some are pretty bad. If we ignored them, what are the problems that would actually cause universities to go extinct in you know, the next 10 or 15 years? All universities? Yeah, like as an idea. Like obviously, this is a, a pretty magnified, uh, a magnified and hyperbolic world. But what are those like the, the large ones where if they, we just kept sweeping them under the rug, it really risks universities completely? Well, I, I think what we talked about earlier, which is really recognizing and appreciating that there has to be a diversity of post-secondary opportunities um, for 
uh, new learners and people in the workforce and so forth. So the, the two-year degree and the four-year degree being the, the standard, um, I, I think we're going to see that erode. Um, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily on the boat of like all things would go extinct, but I think the upcoming generation of, of students they also feel that way, right? They're questioning the value. They want to see in, you know, an instant return on their investment. And they're going to be looking for a diverse set of solutions that will better meet their needs of where they want to go. And so if you're an institution that holds fast to like, all we do is two-year, four-year, you're going to miss out on that diversification process and ultimately miss out on a tremendous number of student enrollments and, and tuition revenue that could sustain you. So I, I do actually think that's where some institutions are going to get left behind. So if you can't embrace that evolution, it's a bit dangerous. Yeah, I totally agree. The world is changing and, uh, yeah. and we need to shift with that. But but I also share, I guess, uh, share your view is that I don't think universities are going anywhere, especially not in the, the last 10 years. You know, I hear, a, I have a lot of conversations in this space and, and I hear a lot of doomsdays. I remember just before, or as COVID was, you know, happening right at the beginning, um, there was a big investor that said, we're not going to invest in you because universities won't exist in six months. And I was just like, that what? is not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, that the, they just had so much value to the world. But we'll, uh, we'll come to our last question, uh, which is, if you just had one message you could deliver to any world leader, who would you choose and what would you say? You've just got one sentence. Oh my, that's a very difficult question to answer. Um, I guess I would say to our current president to continue to embrace the idea of lifting up the middle class and investing in opportunities, both education and workforce that will help that group and the upcoming generation build careers that are life-sustaining um, and that can support them and their families to achieve the goals and outcomes that they want to achieve. I love it. It's a, that's a, it's a beautiful message. Um, well, uh, th that, uh, that brings us to the end of the questions today. Um, so we're going to wrap this one up, but thank you so much for sharing those stories and, and more about, you know, your, your own experience and your own journey. It's so nice to hear and, and talk with someone who's just so passionate about the, the space and it comes across so clearly when you speak. So I appreciate you and, uh, and everything you're doing in the space. This has been another episode of the Broken Education Podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to stay up to date, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app or go to LinkedIn and hit follow on the Vigo page.